Today's reading will be taken from the uh, book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And in this reading, Paul talks about the unity in the body of Christ. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by their cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up in him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Good morning. Thanks, Ray. Uh, I wanted to start out with a, smor- uh, a story this morning from my track and field days in high school. Uh, it comes from a time when our school was in Brandon at a provincial track and field meet. And on that day, I had to run three 400-meter races. And I don't know if anybody has experience with running the 400-meter race, uh, but for me, this is like one of the most taxing distances. It doesn't sound like much, right? It's just one lap around the track. So maybe it doesn't seem that tough, but when you're running this distance at like essentially a full-out sprint, it can really kick your butt. And um, as the schedule would have it on this day, the last race in the day was a provincial 400, uh, 4x400 meter relay. So there was me and three other guys passing the baton, each of us doing a 400 meter lap. And I think we were up against like four or five other schools, but I didn't really focus on any of that. It was just this one other school we were focused on. They were totally our arch nemesis all year long. And I was running anchor on the team, our team. And the anchor on the other team, our arch nemesis team, uh, had this guy who was just freakishly fast. And he had beaten me all year in the individual races. He was, he was faster than me. So I just hoped that the other three guys on my team could get me that baton with a bit of a head start at the end so that I could hold my own against Mr. Flash. Um, and thankfully, you know what they did? I, I got the baton with a short lead on the guy. But I, like I said, he was fast. And and I was already tired because I had run two more of these races already. And I just wasn't sure, you know, how I was going to hold my own against this guy. And so it started out okay, but sure enough, he caught up to me with like 100 meters left in the race. And I was determined to win, though. And, and so I just, I tried to dig deep and push a little bit harder and try to find some extra speed. And then what happened next was really bizarre. Uh, my mind wanted to go faster. <laughs> but my legs were not up for the challenge. And this is the only time this has happened to me, but uh, with about 25 meters left, I, I, I just tried to muster another ounce of strength, and then my legs just went all to jello. <laughs> and down I went right on the track with, like I said, like 25 meters to go, and, uh, and fast guy there passed me and took the win for the other team. And it might seem like a crushing loss, but honestly... Uh, I never really felt bad about it looking back on the race because 
there was really nothing I could have done to run faster. I pushed myself to the limit and, and beyond my limit of what my legs could take. And, and I remember even then having a great sense of satisfaction, uh, knowing that even though maybe we didn't win, uh, we certainly did give it our best effort. And, and so I tell this story just to illustrate that striving for something with all your might, it actually can be really satisfying. And as Billy mentioned this Sunday, uh, we're taking some time to honor some people in our congregation who've also been striving for something uh, that is also important. It's amazing to graduate from college or university or, or high school, and, and even though it's maybe a little different than a relay, lace, uh, a relay race, I know that going through college or, or high school for myself can at times feel uh, quite a bit like that. You know, it requires the same type of push. There's points where you're stretched to your limits or even beyond your limits. You've got projects and exams and, and knowledge to cram into your head to, to make sure that you can prove that you've learned what you need to learn to graduate. So congratulations from me to all of our grads this morning. Because just like in my race, I know that getting to the point where you've gotten to has taken a tremendous amount of effort. And I know that like the same way I felt uh, that sense of satisfaction and accomplishment for my race, you're probably feeling that today as well as you, as you celebrate your graduation. And putting in a tremendous effort is not only satisfying when it comes to completing uh, an education or, or finishing a race, but we can also get this same type of satisfaction from pursuing spiritual maturity. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I wanted to use uh, this verse here to highlight it as we start out. Paul says this to the Colossians. He says, In him, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone uh, mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. So to my high school self, winning that race was worth striving for. And, and education, like I said, is something that we also strive for. But here we see Paul striving for something else. He wasn't just passively pursuing this thing. It says that he was toiling and struggling with all the energy that God had given him. So what was so important to him? Well, he was after spiritual maturity. It was so important that he gave all the energy that he could possibly give, kind of like my race or like your grad. It's clear that spiritual maturity was of, of highest importance to Paul, and hopefully by the end of the talk this morning, we're going to see why it should also be of highest importance to all of us as well. But of course, it, it, this all begs the question, doesn't it? What is spiritual maturity anyway? And to find the answer to that, we're going to go to our text that, that Ray just read for us. Look what it says here in verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the definition for spiritual maturity is pretty simple, actually. It's somebody who has reached the full measure of Christ. In other words, a spiritually mature person is a person who looks something like Jesus. Jesus himself also said something similar to this in Luke 6.40, where he said, The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. 
He said that when we're fully developed, when we're fully mature, we're going to be like Him. And I think this is amazing. It's amazing to see that as we grow in maturity, we begin to start reflecting the image of the God who made us. Instead of being a reflection of sin and death, we can actually reflect the author of life. We can be the people who other people look at and say, I see something in you that looks like Jesus. Isn't that an amazing thing to strive for? When we talk about children, uh, you'll, you'll always hear people say something like this. You know, you're growing up to be such a young woman or, or such a young man. And what people mean when they say that is that they see something in the child that something they're doing is reflecting that of a fully grown adult. And it's the same thing with us when we're talking about spiritual maturity and reflecting Jesus. We want to be the people uh, who other people look at and see a reflection of Jesus. And so that's why I titled the lesson this morning, Reflecting Jesus. So if being spiritually mature looks like, uh, looks like us looking like Jesus, then the next question is, well, do I look like Jesus? Am I a reflection of Him? And when people look at my life today, do they see Christ in me? I'm sure many of us have seen the classic Disney movie, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, right? In the movie, there's this famous scene that I've got up here where the evil queen, she's asking the magic mirror on the wall to tell her, you know, who is the fairest of them all? Who's the fairest in the land? But the queen got a surprise, didn't she? You know, she thought she was the fairest in the land, but it turns out she wasn't really as awesome as she thought she was. And in a similar and far less creepy way, I think, we also have a mirror to look into as well. The mirror that we look in today helps us also see the truth about who we really are. And uh, a big surprise, that, that mirror is called the Word of God for us. James talks about this, right? In James 1, 23, he says, anyone who looks, uh, sorry, anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. We're all familiar with what mirrors are. I actually tried to find a hand mirror to bring this morning, but it turns out I don't have one in my house. But they are everywhere. And, and maybe what we actually have today that's a little more uh, common to us is the, is the mirror that we have on this thing, the front-facing camera, right? The selfie camera. But when you look into a mirror, uh, you get to see what you look like. It's a pretty simple concept. And James describes something like that too. He says, the Word of God is like a mirror because we can see what we look like, but it's a special type of mirror because not only do we see uh, what we look like, but the mirror of God's Word also shows us where we need to grow. And when it comes to the topic of spiritual maturity this morning, I think this is perfect for us because the mirror will help us, uh, the mirror of God's Word will help us not, not only see what we look like right now, but also see uh, where we need to develop ourselves. And so we're going to look into the mirror of God's Word this morning and see what it looks like to be spiritually mature. The first thing that we're going to see is that spiritual maturity is, is uh, seen in somebody who looks like they're striving for Christ. And second, spiritual maturity is someone who has experience in the faith. And third, we see from Scripture that spiritual maturity it comes from somebody who is externally focused. They're focused on others, not, not just on themselves. So this morning, I'd like to break down these three ideas. 
and and hope that we can uh, when and hope that when we're looking at the Word of God, we will see how we can become more spiritually mature as well. So let's get started with striving for Christ, and we can see this show up in our in our text from this morning in verse 13, which we already looked at, but let's have a look at it again. We see here that Paul is talking about somebody who is striving for something, right? They're, they're reaching for something. They're reaching for unity. They're reaching uh, for faith in the Son of God. And they're also uh, trying to attain that thing. They're, they're striving for it. They're trying to attain it with all their might. They, they want to look like Jesus and they want to pursue Him, just like we might want to pursue a degree or pursue running a race. They're striving to reach that goal. And, and Paul talked about this here, but he also talked about it in his own life in Philippians 3. He says, not only have I obtained, uh, not that I have already obtained all this, or that I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for that which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. This is all about striving for something here, right? He's pressing on. Paul says that he's not perfect as well, and I think that's an important thing for us to catch. Being spiritually mature means that we are not up on a high horse looking down at everyone else. We never assume that we've got it all figured out or that there's nothing left for us to do to grow. Spiritually mature people continue to look into the mirror of God's Word and challenge themselves to keep striving forward. Verse 15 says that this is the way that all spiritually mature people should be thinking. Maybe it's kind of ironic, but... Being spiritually mature actually means realizing that you are not fully mature already. It's, it's realizing that you have room to grow. Mature followers of Christ aren't, aren't happy to settle into a comfort zone and, and settle down and stop striving. They're humble and they know that they haven't reached their goal yet. And they know that nobody can actually reach the full goal of being a perfect reflection of Jesus, but yet they still strive for it with all their might. So how can we tell if we're striving for Christ? I think one good exercise is to examine yourself as an individual. Think about your spiritual devotion to Christ when you're alone. When you're alone. It's easy to say spiritual things and get involved in spiritual activities when you're around other Christians, but what is it like when you're all by yourself and no one is pushing you? Is there something within you that is desiring to strive for Christ? even when no one else is influencing you? Do you seek Him in prayer without somebody having to tell you to do it? Do you think about Him during the day? Do you desire personally to read His Word? I'm not saying that we should be able to stand on our own and be mature on our own, because I don't think we can. But going through an exercise like this will help us to see possibly where there are some weak points in our faith and where we're not striving for Christ. If you're not sure where you're at, Look at yourself in the mirror. Does your faith look like you're striving for Christ even when you're all alone? Another self-test that we might want to go through is to ask ourselves, 
Where are our resources going? You know, you can usually tell what people are committed to by just following where their resources are going. You know, where they're spending their time, where they're spending their money, where their energy goes, where their thought life is centered on. What do they look on their what do they look at on their phones all the time? The list can go on and on. So the question maybe for us if we don't know if we're striving for Christ or not is to ask this question, where are my resources going? What consumes my time and my thought life? What gets me excited? What are my hopes and my dreams revolving around? These can be some scary questions to ask. But it's better to face the truth than to ignore problems that might be existing in our faith. And if we find out that we're not striving for Christ, I really think that the best place to start is with prayer. See what it says here in verse 15? Paul says that if anyone thought that they were already perfect... God was going to make it clear to them where they were not or why they were not. And I think this is the type of thing that God also wants to help us with. This is a prayer that God is going to answer if we ask Him to show us what's holding us back. I think He's going to answer this. Why would He not want to see us, uh, help us see the barriers that are holding us back from Him? I think He's going to answer that prayer every time. Again, maybe it's a scary prayer to pray. Maybe it's scary to ask God to show you where you need to grow in your, in your uh, walk with Him. But in my experience, the times that I've done this has been an amazing process. I've asked God to help my heart align with His heart, help my, help my uh, motives align with His motives, my priorities with His priorities, and I've seen Him answer that prayer time and time again. And I encourage you this morning, if you feel like you're in a place where you're not pursuing Christ, I think this prayer is a good place to start. So back in our text again, we see that uh, there's something else in verse 16 here. When every part of the church is connected, we help each other grow and become built up in our faith. But are we taking advantage of this? Are we helping one another strive for Christ? God designed the church to be a community, right? But I think we often just are comfortable to remain in our individual bubbles. Maybe we're afraid to open up because we're afraid that it's going to realize that we just don't have it all together. But we need to overcome that fear. We certainly don't need to broadcast all of our baggage to everybody. But we need to surround ourselves with a few key people in our lives who we're close with and who we can really be transparent with. And it doesn't stop at just sharing. We also need to be willing to help each other grow our way through those struggles. That's really what it means to build up the body of Christ. You know, it's fun to hang out. It's fun to play games, talking about current events. I'm not saying we need to stop that, but that's really not what it means to be invested in each other's lives on a spiritual level. We also need to invest in each other in spiritual ways. And in my experience... This doesn't usually happen unless we are intentional about doing it. It doesn't have to be complicated, though, and I'm just going to offer a few suggestions here about how we can help each other strive for Christ. It could be as simple as connecting with a few of your closest friends in the church and then picking a topic. Hey, maybe you could pick spiritual maturity. And then you can sit down and talk about how that's going in your lives. You can you can talk about how you're doing in your spiritual maturity, in your pursuit of maturity. And then 
Balance that off of the other people you're with. And then do practical things. I think this is important. Do practical things to help one another actually grow in your spiritual maturity. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be a big program. But it does have to be intentional. So the second thing I think that we see when we look into the mirror of God's Word about how we can become spiritually mature is that spiritual, spiritually mature people have experience in the faith. And when I say experience, I'm not necessarily talking about years of experience, as in like the years that you've been a Christian. I'm talking about experience when it comes to actually, uh, sorry, actually living out the Word of God in your life. A spiritually mature person not only has the knowledge, but they've also have, they also have the experience with putting that knowledge into practice. These people have faced some serious temptations, things like what Ray was talking about this morning at work, but they've held on to their faith. When they're faced with the choice to do either what is right or what is easy, they choose what is right because they're committed to God's will for their lives even when it's hard to do that. These people pursue, uh, these people pursue Jesus even if it costs them something, because they realize that a relationship with Him is more important than the things of this world. They have experience living out the Word, not just knowing the Word. Verse 15 also speaks to this idea from our text this morning. Uh, Paul says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head. That's Christ. Spiritually mature Christians, as it says here, have experience in at least two things, right? Truth and love. A lot of Bible translations like the NIV here also have this word speaking, you know, speaking the truth and love. But it's important to know that the word speaking is not actually in the original Greek language. What the original Greek literally says is something like truthing in love, which maybe doesn't uh, translate well into English. But what it's trying to convey is that maturity is described as someone who does more than just talk the talk. They also live out the truth. They live it out. And they do that in a loving way. A mature follower of Christ is not just someone who knows a lot of things or who can say the right things. It's not necessarily someone who has all the answers about Bible questions. I mean, Bible knowledge is important and it certainly can contribute to maturity. But knowledge itself doesn't mean that you're mature spiritually. Those who are spiritually mature have taken the knowledge that they've learned and put it into action in their lives. I hope you can see the difference. They've experienced it. The Hebrew writer points this out in a powerful way when he says this in uh, chapter 5.14. He says, But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The solid food here that he's talking about is referring to the more complex or the more advanced teachings in God's Word. The Hebrew writer says that only spiritually mature people are actually ready for that type of teaching because they've already mastered this idea of putting the teaching that they're learning to good use in their lives. Those who are spiritually mature are constantly using the knowledge that they're taking in. It made me think of a a workout program that also involves a food plan. Maybe some of us have done something like this. 
When you're in a program like this, you eat the food that the, the person prescribes for you, and then you do the workout that they prescribe for you to burn off the energy from all the food you just ate. And then going through that process of eating the food and burning off the food, it helps you to become stronger, right? And I think it's the same kind of thing with our faith. The food that we eat is the food that we get from God's Word. We gain amazing knowledge from the Word of God, but I think sometimes if we're not trying to do this, we stop there. You know, we just eat and eat and gain more and more knowledge, but we neglect to actually pick up the weights and put it into good use. A mature follower of Christ is somebody who is uh, not only taking in the knowledge from the Word of God, but then they're also applying that knowledge to their lives by obeying the Word and living it out. Working out that knowledge might be difficult. You know, just like working off the calories from food can be difficult. But it's good for us because it's the way that we become stronger and the way that we become more mature. So someone might be asking, you know, what do I do? What do I do if I'm struggling to put these things into practice? You know, I'm really good at consuming. I'm good at listening to sermons. I'm good at going to Bible classes. I'm good at reading the Bible. But then I struggle to burn off my spiritual calories. Why does it seem so impossible? Why am I stuck in a rut? I think Jesus gives us some really good advice on this from, uh, from the parable of the sower. And you might, you might remember the parable of the sower. Jesus talks about these four different types of soils that represent the four conditions, uh, four different conditions of the human heart. And it's really talking about how the human heart receives the Word of God. The first three soils aren't really any good because they don't take the seed of the Word of God into their heart. And then because of that, they don't produce a harvest. And one of the three soil types is the soil that's full of weeds. And this soil describes someone who might, you know, be giving some of their resources from their soil to the things of God, towards a harvest. But really, a lot of their resources, like I've tried to depict here, are tied up and being redirected into what Jesus refers to as growing weeds or thorns. Look at what he says here in Luke 8:14. He says, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And get this, they do not mature. If our lives are invested in producing weeds and thorns, which Jesus defines here as uh, as worries, riches, and pleasures, if we're invested in these things, they prevent us from becoming mature. And I love what he says here, you know, as they go on their way. I think it's significant. It makes me think of uh, window shopping, you know. Uh, it's like somebody walking down the sidewalk on their way to some important event, and then they see something in the window off to the side. So maybe they stop and check it out, and they look at it for, the wi- uh, look at it for a while, but they've got more important things to do, so they just kind of keep going. You know, they might have been intrigued about the item in the window, but They really have no intention of fully pursuing it and changing their plans because their heart is set on getting to the destination they are already headed for. And I wonder, you know, do we struggle with window shopping when it comes to our faith? You know, we walk by, right? We see Jesus, we see what He's offering, we see that it's important, and maybe we even stop for a little while or slow down to check it out. 
But deep down, our hearts are not really all that interested in what He's offering. And so we just keep going after the riches and pleasures of this life. Or we're so uh, worried about staying safe and comfortable and getting into a situation where we might be challenged and where we might be stretched that we just play it safe and stick to our comfort zone. Jesus says that both of these things are going to prevent us from becoming mature. And I think he says something very similar in Mark 8.34 too. He says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. If our lives are centered around our own comfort zones and our own desires, we just cannot be a disciple of Christ. We can't chase the things of the world and chase the things of God at the same time because they're headed in opposite directions. We need to gain experience in in our faith. And if we need to do that, we might need to rethink the way we're doing things. If we've been taking in knowledge more and more, like eating the spiritual food but not putting it into practice, I think the only real solution is what Jesus spells out here for us. We need to be willing to get uncomfortable. We need to be willing to step outside of our comfort zones and make a change. Make up your mind today that you're going to take even just one step out of your comfort zone. And I think that as we do that, I believe that we are going to figure out that that is the best thing for us and we're going to see the value in taking more and more steps towards Him. Whenever we talk about this idea, this kind of challenging topic of dying to self, I think sometimes that we equate that in our minds with just like pursuing a life of misery or making our lives miserable so we can be close to Jesus. You know, maybe do, maybe we need to do something crazy, sell our house, quit our job, things like that. But I don't think that's always what it's about. You know, certainly not the misery part anyways. We looked at the story of the rich young ruler a couple of weeks ago. And we saw that Jesus actually did require him to give up on some pretty big things. And so we can't really rule out the fact that Jesus may also call us to something like that as well. But I think more often, instead of throwing away everything that we have, I think Jesus is also calling us to repurpose the things that we have so that they become all about him. We shift our thinking and how we look at every single thing in our lives. That house that you have, it's no longer a house. It's a tool that can be used for the growth of God's kingdom. The money that you have, it's no longer money for you. You start to look at how you spend every dollar and ask yourself, how can this contribute to the kingdom? We no longer see our time as a big pie where we just cut out a slice and devote it to God once a week. No, when we pick up our cross, God gets the whole pie. He gets it all. And we start thinking about how every minute of every day can be used to serve Him. No matter what we're doing, whether we're at work, whether we're raising our kids, whether we're walking around our neighborhood, no matter what's going on, no matter where we are, it's always about Him. When the, when the things of our lives become repurposed like this, we'll start making very different decisions about what we do with the resources that God has given us in our lives. Denying ourselves might not mean that we have to get rid of everything, but rather that we repurpose everything and we give it all to God. So the last thing that we see when we look into the mirror of God's Word is that spiritual maturity means being externally focused. 
And when I say externally focused, I don't necessarily mean looking outside the church, although that's certainly part of it. But more generally, what it means is just looking outside of ourselves, you know, beyond our own lives. And this is a huge marker of spiritual maturity in the Bible, and I think it's one of the most important characteristics that we need to strive for if we want to be spiritually mature today. We started out with this verse here from Colossians, but I want to go back to it again from Colossians 1.28, where Paul says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul was totally striving for spiritual maturity with all his strength and energy. But what I want us to see here is that he was actually focused on the spiritual maturity of the people around him. He says everyone like three times there. And um, he wanted everyone else to be fully mature in Christ. Our text talks about this idea too, right? In verse 12, where it says that God wants the church to do works of service so that the body of Christ would be built up as well. God's design for the church is amazing. His design is for the church leaders to equip the members to do works of service that build up the body. So it's the members, not the leaders, that are primary, primarily responsible for building up the body of Christ. And that's important. It's all of our jobs, all of us, to build up the body. But unfortunately, sometimes I think we get this backwards. We think that it's just a few people in the leadership positions who are responsible for making sure that everyone else becomes spiritually mature. But that's really not what the text describes here. God's design for the church is that every member works at building up the other members of the body who are around them. And then the leadership is setting up the structure and they're setting up the resources that allow for this to happen. They are the equippers. Think about how much more powerful God's design is, though. Instead of having just a few people who are um, trying to manage and, and build the other people up of maybe hundreds or even thousands of people in the congregations that they're a part of, instead of that, God's design is that every person in the congregation, every person who is a part of the body, is looking around themselves and asking themselves, how can I contribute to the growing up or building up of the body in the people's lives around me. We need to look beyond just our own faith and our own walk with God. And I know that things like this can be hard to put into practice. You know, how do we overcome our tendency to just kind of focus on ourselves and begin to invest in the lives of the people around us in the church? I love what Paul says to the church in Corinth. In, uh, in 1 Corinthians 14.20, he says, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. There's that word again. So a lot was going on in the Corinthian church at this time. Uh, they were having a hard time with focusing beyond themselves as well. Back then, gifts to the people in the church, they were able to speak in tongues, something that maybe we aren't able to do today. And some people in the church saw that and wanted to put a whole bunch of effort into it so that they could speak in tongues. But the reason that they wanted to do that was not so much for good reasons, but apparently because it gave them up in the church in that time, you were like a rock star. 
But Paul is telling them that when they're trying to exalt themselves about, uh, above other people, they're actually thinking like spiritual children. Instead, he says that they should be thinking not only not about building themselves up, but instead they should be focused on being mature. And being mature in the sense that they're trying to build up the people around them. And just a few verses before this, in verse 12, he says this to make it very clear. He says, since you're eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. It was good that they were eager to receive gifts of the Holy Spirit, like speaking in tongues. But Paul says that their motivation, it was just all wrong. It was all wrong because they were focused on themselves. He says that they should be focused on building up the church and they should be striving for gifts from the Holy Spirit that allow for that to happen instead of trying to be in some elite club in the congregation. But what does all of this have to do with us today? Well, God has also given us gifts today through His Spirit. And we need to realize that those gifts that He's given us are supposed to be used for building up the people around us. So the question for us is, you know, what has God gifted you with? What are you good at? I think we can get hung up sometimes on similar things like the Corinthian church did. You know, we think that building up the church means that we have to get up and speak in in front of masses of people or we need to lead a, a public prayer in worship. I mean, those things are fine. But that's not the only gifts that God has given to His people. I really believe this, that if we are truly forming spiritual relationships and serving our, our fellow Christians in practical ways that build up their faith, that is going to do a whole lot more for building up the body of Christ uh, than getting up and speaking publicly. So what are you good at? Are you using it to build up the church? Are you an armchair Christian back? I made that term up, by the way. An armchair Christian back uh, is somebody who you know, sits back and tries to find fault in all the spiritually weak people around them? Are you an armchair Christian back or are you following the commands from this verse? If you're following this command, instead of running down the people around you who you think are weaker than you, you're doing what you can to build them up. The mature Christian is not the one who folds their arms and complains about everything that's wrong. Rather, they're the ones who rolls up their sleeves and tries to do what they can to build up the church. So look around yourself and ask, what are the needs here in this body? Ask yourself, what can I do to help? Ask yourself, how am I contributing to building up this body? Spiritually mature people are externally focused. And when we're externally focused, the natural extension of that becomes passing our faith on to others. We're going to end off with this verse here. I love what the apostle of Peter, the apostle Peter says at the end of his life here in 2 Peter 1, 14 to 15. He said, For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. As he nears the end of his life, Peter is steadfastly focused on this thing. He wants to make sure that his faith is passed on to the next generation. Peter was externally focused, right? He wanted the people around him to become mature in their faith. Spiritually mature people see beyond themselves. And they they see that others need help. 
and they want to help those people become spiritually mature as well so that those people in turn can pass their faith on to others. And this is really the, the, what defines being a fully mature follower of Jesus. This doesn't necessarily mean that you, know, you need to go out door knocking and trying to make a complete stranger into a mature disciple of Christ. I mean, that's great if you want to. But for you, it might start with a person just sitting next to you right now. Even if they're already a Christian, they have room to grow. And you can help them with that. But if you're going to do it, you need to first take the focus off of yourself and invest in the lives of the people around you. So we've looked into the mirror of God's Word this morning. And we've been able to see that being a mature Christian is all about striving for a relationship with Jesus. It's being experienced with living out the Word of God and it's being focused externally on the people around us. This is an important message for all of us, but I think including our graduates this morning. You know, you have persevered through some challenging things to graduate this year. And so you understand the importance of striving for something that is worthwhile. And as you begin your new chapters, you know, your new careers or, or pursuing higher education, remember that those things are good, but there is nothing that's more important than pursuing, uh, reflecting the image of Jesus in your life as you become spiritually mature in your faith. This pursuit will last for our entire lives, but the benefits, well, they will last for eternity. We're going to end off with a song called, Oh, to be like thee. And this is a song where we ask God to help us be like him. And so I think it's fitting that we end off on this. And it's a good way for us to reflect on the ideas that we've been talking about this morning. When you look into the mirror of God's word, do you see somebody who is spiritually mature? Do you see Jesus in you? I'm always here to talk about that if you need some help and you're struggling in these areas. If you're someone who has not yet given your life to Jesus, please take some time to consider this critical decision. This is the most important thing that you can pursue in your life. And if you'd like to learn more about that or talk about questions you might have or how you can start this pursuit for yourself, I would be thrilled to talk to you about that as well. Thank you so much for your time today.